Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's so good to see you. Um, obviously, I can't see you in person, but I'm glad, really glad that you've gathered here with us. Thank you for bringing the church into whatever space you happen to be around a dining room table, sitting on your couch, maybe sitting outside, uh, whatever that looks like. And thanks for inviting us into uh, those spaces. Um, yeah, and as, as we just sang and as Lauren prayed, uh, we are taking a, a week um, here this, this Sunday to look at Psalm 30. We're going to dive into that um, in a moment. Um, and looking at this movement throughout the scriptures about how God brings us from sadness and despair and where we're dismayed, um, where there's this mourning, and he brings about dancing and he brings about renewal and he brings joy and life in all of these Things and so we're gonna get into that uh, in just a, a moment. Um, and I actually fired up to uh, get further into this text even after singing that song uh, together this morning. But before diving in, I wanted to give you a, a quick update. Uh, as you know, uh, we long to be back uh, in person for in-person services. We're thankful for technology that allows us to gather via the live stream. Uh, but there's nothing like the church gathered, the embodied presence, like all of us uh, together. So we've been making plans. Um, and as we've told you throughout this whole thing, uh, kind of three driving things for us. Uh, the first is safety, second, flexibility, and third, grace. Because um, we, we need a lot of grace in this. Uh, we need to be flexible because at the end of the day, we are monitoring things. This is, there's, there's no playbook for this. We're figuring it out as we go along. Uh, we're consulting with doctors uh, within our church that are on the front lines of this. We're talking with other area churches. We're trying to uh, engage in best practices. And so we had a particular timeline um, that was about, you know, gathering uh, in person. And so um, I have some disappointing news uh, to bring you this morning and a bit of good news um, as well. And so on the disappointing side, as we've been praying for, uh, even together this morning, uh, the number of cases being on the rise um, and just looking out over our community and talking with doctors part of our church body, like I said, that are really serving day in and day out in the ER and on the front lines there in our local hospitals, um, because we want to make sure everybody is safe. Uh, our original plan to begin in person on July 19th, we are pushing that start date back. Uh, we will not have any in-person services in the month of July. We are Praying that we'll be able to at some point in August, but I'm not even going to put a date out there right now because we need to monitor things right now. Um, things have not declined. They've continued to increase and breaking records and all of that. And so we need to give a little bit of space to be able to watch that, pray through that, continue to consult, um, even look, you know, as we talk with other churches, some that went back to in person are now going back to online only over the last couple of weeks. And so we care deeply for you. We care about your safety. We also care deeply for our community, and we don't want to be um, in any way contributing to the furthering of this, this virus. We, wanted, we believe very practically, like we can love our neighbor by making sure that uh, we are engaging in best practices. And so the elders and the staff this week have been talking through these matters, praying through these things. We don't take this uh, lightly, but that is where uh, we've landed the decision that we've made. Uh, so live stream only for a little bit longer, uh, and we'll continue to, to keep you informed. Now, I said there's a bit of uh, good news as we wrestled through some of the disappointing uh, news. The good news is this. Uh, as a staff, we were able to have a meeting this past week with the YMCA leadership because uh, we had to put together a plan for 
what it would look like for us uh, when we do go back in person to make sure um, that the Y had you know, approved that. And also for us to make sure like we felt good about going back to the Y. We had a great meeting with them. Uh, whenever we give kind of the, the green light, they're ready uh, for us uh, to come back. Um, it was helpful to see the ways that they're seeking to serve the community, the, the safety measures, the additional safety measures they've put in place. And so we felt like, wow, whenever this does happen, we think it's going to be um, a really good thing. Um, and we're, uh, we're excited about it, confident about it. Um, and so we're praising God for that and just that partnership and relationship. So whenever it gets to the point where we feel like we can move forward safely, uh, we're glad to know that things um, are, are ready uh, for us at the Y. So uh, definitely an answer to prayer there. So that is the update. So thanks for uh, listening to that. Let us know if you've got any questions. And so all of that in many ways, I and mean, we could pick this topic about in-person services, um, just we think about where we are in this cultural moment and all the upheaval that 2020 has brought. And there's just a range of emotions, isn't there? I mean, there's so many things. There's a weight that, that we're carrying. Sometimes we're fully aware of it. Sometimes we're not. And we have other people reminding us like, hey, uh, have you taken a break at all? Like, how is this? Uh, how are you doing in the midst of all this? And the hope this morning is to dive into Psalm 30 and allow it to minister to our souls. In fact, we're going to start a new series in a couple of weeks, but for this week and for next, I'm taking Psalm 30 as it's something that's ministered to me. Uh, Pastor Eric's going to preach next week and bring a text that's been particularly meaningful uh, to him. And so we just thought we'd take a couple weeks, and just in light of the realities of things that we're, that we're all dealing with and processing uh, together. And so this morning, my hope is that you would be ministered to from this great psalm that I'm gonna read here in just a moment. There is this wide range of emotions. It's one of the things we love in the psalms and in this psalm in particular. I mean, you see despair and you see dancing. Uh, you see silence to like speaking boldly and singing praises and this just it kind of this full range. Um, and part of, I think, what resonates so much is, man, that's, kind of how we are. One day we might be doing really well, and the next day we're like, oh, another day of this pandemic, another bit of, un, you know, um, like uncertainty and insecurity and all those things, anxiety that can creep in. So do me a favor. If you would go uh, to your Bibles, get out, uh, go to Psalm chapter 30, or you can go to cpwp.life and swipe over till you see the card that says message notes. The text this morning will be there as well as any of the slides that I put up. But I want to go ahead and read this. And then we'll make our way through this great psalm together. So Psalm chapter 30 is a psalm of David. So hear God's word. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Verse six, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. Verse 11, 
You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is God's word. And so as we get into this this morning, would you, wherever you are, uh, would you join me in praying the short prayer that I'll put up on the screen? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide and to minister to us this morning. Pray this along with me. Calm us now, O Lord, into a quietness that heals and listens. Open wounded hearts the balm of your word. Speak to us in clear tones so that we might feel our spirits leap for joy and skip with hope as your resurrection witnesses. Amen. That prayer there, I think, gets at some of the heart of what this psalm can do as we open ourselves up and we ask the Spirit to move in power and to minister to us because there is a brokenness that um, has always been there, but maybe we're just more aware of it right now. And yet, what this psalm is ultimately is a story that goes from death to life, from mourning to dancing. It's a resurrection psalm, and we are resurrection people, and we're resurrection witnesses. And yet, if we're honest, sometimes it doesn't feel like the tomb is empty. Sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't always feel like there's this resurrection, this newness of life. There can be just sort of a despair like this kind of cloud has settled in and each day we turn on the news or we, we open up our social media app and we scroll through the feed and we're just bombarded again and again and again with just things that could make us despair and to be discouraged. And so what this psalm is this morning, all right, is an invitation to reflection. And so let me put this before you um, as I put it before myself, all right, what is going on like in our heart, in our life? Like how are you doing this psalm? Let's not... Skip over it. Let's not let's let's fight rather to be focused and not be distracted and to wrestle through this. Like, how are you doing? The reality is, as I think back even over the last couple of weeks, I've been reminded, all right, that I'm not doing maybe quite as well as I thought that I was doing. In fact, this past week on Thursday, I had a, a call in. I'm doing this uh, kind of spiritual mentorship, discipleship uh, course that, that I'm taking. And it was my, uh, uh, it was a Thursday. It was my appointment time to call in a Zoom call, all right, which we all are loving these days, right? I'm um, to have this, this meeting uh, with the spiritual mentor, with a spiritual advisor. And it's always a helpful time and encouraging um, and yet through the camera, all right, as he kind of peered into his laptop and I saw his, his screen, he said the, these words to me on more than one occasion. He looked at me and he's like, you seem burdened. There, there's a heaviness, there's a weightiness. He's like, I, I see it on your shoulders. I hear it in your voice. I see it on your face. And he wanted to remind me that perhaps there are burdens, and not just perhaps, there are burdens that I was never meant to carry. And yet I keep picking those up and putting them in my backpack when Jesus has come and said, no, 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 that is for me to carry. My, you know, that burden is something that I've taken from you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like that's what I'm giving to you. And yet in the midst of what this year has brought, if we're not careful, we will continue to pick these things up and say, I've got to shoulder that, I've got to do that. And it leaves us in this place of a lot of discouragement and despair and anxiety. 
And so in the last couple of weeks, I feel like, oh, like 2020 and the pandemic and stuff, like um, I was aware that it was, you know, stressful and different things we're navigating and all that. But I feel like even in the last couple of weeks, like it's, it's a fresh wave of that has hit me or maybe even for the first time realizing, oh, like I'm more tired and exhausted. And I don't say that as some sort of sob story and you should feel bad for me, but rather like it's been helpful for me to even have other people call that out in love. And so how are you doing? Like this is an invitation to reflection and this psalm is meant to encourage us as it deals with the realities of life. This is not an easy time. What would it look like for you and I to give ourselves some space, like to give ourselves the the grace that God gives to us in his son, to realize right now that you've got nothing to prove that the father's disposition towards you right now is he's rejoicing over you with loud singing. I don't live from that place enough. And so I find myself exhausted. I find myself short um, and curt with those that I'm closest to. I find myself getting overly frustrated by seemingly kind of trivial matters. And how is it with you? A few years ago, I read a, a short book that I've, I've referenced before, but it came back to mind this week. It's a little biography of sorts on the great preacher, who's sometimes been referred to as the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon, the late great preacher, battled with a lot of um, depression and anxiety and this state of kind of melancholy that he would find himself in oftentimes. And Zach Eswine both wrote this helpful little book called Spurgeon's Sorrows. And in it, he tells this anecdote. He tells this anecdote of Spurgeon coming to a church service and it's his, um, it's his obligation to preach God's word and yet there's a heaviness of heart. And I don't know if these would be the exact words that I would use, but I love his honesty And I love then where the story goes. Hear these words. It says this, in another sermon, Charles similarly revealed his condition. He says, I am quite out of order for addressing you tonight, he said. I feel extremely unwell, excessively heavy, and exceedingly depressed. But what aided him that night, Eswine tells the story, was, quote, the pleasure of trying to say a few words about the gospel to those who gathered. That's our promise to you as a church. We can't control circumstances. We can't control this pandemic. I can't control, right? Like when we're gonna gather in person and when just all this live streaming stuff will, will come to an end. Can't control any of that. But the promise we actually can make to you is that we will open up God's word and we will dive in and we will rest in, we will celebrate, we will soak in the gospel to bring a few words. And they're not my words to bring, but rather they're God's words. And it has been a balm for my soul and it continues to be. Um, and there's still work to be done, and I'm praying that it will help you. So let's look together at this psalm, and we'll kind of take it section by section. The first thing we see, look back with me over the first five verses. There's this call that the psalmist David, we don't know all the particulars that prompted him to write this, but he know, we know enough of his life. We know enough of just humanity to know that there's, there's discouragement, and there's hardship, and there's difficulty, and it has been weighing on him, and yet He's seen the Lord deliver him. And so there's this praise and there's this invitation and there's this call to participation. So look with me at verses one to five as we look at these themes again. So I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to 
the pit. We'll stop there. There's this moment of praise. He's like, I will extol you. What is David doing is the psalmist, he's reflecting back on the ways that God has been merciful and kind to him. And so church, what we need to do in the midst of this pandemic is not forget how God has been faithful to us. If you're a follower of Jesus, he has done tremendous work in your life. It doesn't mean that there's not hardship. It doesn't mean that there's not sorrow. It doesn't mean that there still won't be things for us to grieve over, to mourn over together. Like the reality of life is such until Jesus comes back, there are going to be tears. There, are, there is gonna be stress. There is gonna be hardship. And yet what David does is he's not ignoring these things, but rather he's saying, I will extol the Lord because I know that he has rescued me. The language here that's being used in these particular verses, you have drawn me up, if not let my foes rejoice over me. And then when it says you have brought up my soul from Sheol, it's this idea here, look at this image. It's as if you've fallen down into this deep pit, all right? It's like a well and the bucket is being put down and being drawn up, all right? That's the imagery that David, the psalmist, is using. He's saying, I was down in the pit and I had no way to get back up, to find life, to be able to rejoice. I was dead, I was gone, and yet the Lord has lifted me up. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, let me just remind you, as I need to be reminded myself, the Lord has done a work. There's hardship, there is difficulty but there is reason to extol. There is reason to rejoice. There is reason to sing this morning. It reminds me of the verses that the apostle Paul would write, the words that he would pen to a church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter two, we'll look at verses one to three and then four to seven. He reminds us of our condition and then he reminds us of the God who moves and works despite our conditions, that there's no hardship, that he's like, oh, nope, sorry, I can't do it. I, I can't overcome that. Like nothing can thwart his plans. Not a pandemic, nothing. So look with me, Ephesians chapter two, verses one to three. And you, it's telling us our condition, like the psalmist here, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I mean, talk about a bleak picture. This is what we once were, children of wrath, justly deserving God's anger, his displeasure, his wrath should have been poured out on me. And then there's this miraculous turn as Paul writes these words, reflecting similarly to what David would write in Psalm chapter 30, verse four though, records this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Church, let me encourage us. Let's reflect on Psalm 30. Let's reflect and rest in the truths that we see here in Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. That this, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your story. Yes, there's hardship. Yes, there's uh, difficulty. Yes, there's uh, relationships that are hard. There's jobs that are hard. The, the, the economy, we don't know where that's gonna go. There's all kinds of things. There's health issues that we're worried about. But God 
has been working his resurrection story, that God has been at work and he has shown his immeasurable richness of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Do you know that? Are you resting in that? And then look with me at verse four to five. Will we join in the chorus of praise? So sing praises to the Lord. So David is now inviting other people. He's like, in light of this, he's like, let's sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. The psalmist is remembering and now he's inviting other people. And so church, that's what we're even doing. When we gather on a Sunday morning, whether in person or on a live stream, all right, the reality is we are gathering together to join our voices, to sing and to proclaim. And right now there might not be other people outside of your home able to actually hear you, but it's okay. God hears and we are joining in this chorus of singing praise to God that he has brought resurrection to you and to me and he's still bringing about resurrection stories, taking people from death to life. That's the story, that's the narrative that we're part of. And so he says, yes, there's anger. I mean, like sometimes there's, there are things that we bring upon ourselves through our sin and our rebellion. And sometimes there's just the reality of this broken world. But it tells us, all right, that there's these moments, but they're they are fleeting. But what lasts here is the favor of God. It tells us his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime that his grace, that his mercy, it knows no bounds. And then we get this great line where it says, weeping may tarry for the night. Not a word we probably use a lot, all right, saying tarry, but it's this idea of like weeping, all right, it may exist, um, we might be stuck in that for the night, but know this, the night doesn't last forever. The tomb didn't, all right, the tomb uh, didn't contain just the body of Jesus forever, but eventually it was empty, all right? That's the reality. There might be weeping, there might be sorrow, but it is coming to an end. And it says, joy comes with the morning. That is the promise, that is what we're resting in, that one day Jesus will split the sky and he will come back and he will set everything right. But in the meantime, know this, what was written of in Ephesians 2, what's written of here in Psalm 30 is true for us right now that we get to experience joy, even in the midst of hardship and of sorrow, that there is a joy that we get to experience. Yes, it's not perfectly, uh, we don't get to experience it in all its fulfillment right now in this broken world, but there is a joy that is coming. There's a joy that you and I are invited into right now that is not um, going to shift or change based on how the circumstances are going. Now, This is the psalmist reflecting, and he's like, this has been my story. He's celebrating this. But look what happens in verses six to seven. Sometimes we find ourselves, this is what I I love, the honesty of the scriptures, as we can get in this moment, all right, when things are going well, and we are prone to forget, and there's this drift towards self-reliance instead of a reliance on God. Look with me at the problem we see in the pattern, unfortunately, that we see all throughout the scriptures, and I see it all throughout my life. Verses six and seven, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. Do you see what's happening here? David is looking back on his life. He's seeing, God, you brought me up. You rescued me. I was in this pit. And then he looks out. And it probably wasn't just one day that he woke up and said, you know what? I'm gonna do things on my own. But there's this gradual drift where we start to forget all that God has done. We forget his grace. We forget his mercy. And we begin to think, ah, I'm doing pretty well. Look what I'm doing. Look what I have accomplished. 
He says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Did he say that out loud? I don't know. Did he just think those thoughts? But the reality is those thoughts run through your mind and my mind when things are going well. We think we've got this. Look with me for a moment. If you've got a Bible, go to the book of Deuteronomy. Go to chapter eight. Let me read these verses, 10 to 20. The Lord warned his people about this. The Lord has delivered his people. He's bringing them in. He's brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He's bringing them to the, to the promised land. He's, he's been taking care of them in the, the desert. He's providing manna. He's taking care of them. And he's looking ahead. He's saying, there's gonna be all these amazing things that are gonna happen, but let me give you a warning. Deuteronomy chapter eight, beginning in verse 10 says this. He says, and you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. It's like, there's amazing things awaiting But he says this in verse 11, a series of warnings. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Verse 17, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is a fuller explanation of what is happening in the life of the psalmist. And I wish it was just the psalmist there and that I could look back and be critical of Dave and say, I can't believe that he would do that. I can't believe that he would stand there and sort of as Deuteronomy speaks of in verse 17, say in my heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. I wish it was just David that struggles with that, but the reality is that's my struggle. And if you're honest, my guess is it's your struggle as well, that there's something in the human heart when things are going well that we just get full of ourselves. And so one of the things I think we need to ask in this time of uncertainty, in the difficulty, and to not make light of that, there's real hardship and things to grieve, but let's also acknowledge that the Lord is molding us, that he's shaping us, that he's teaching us. Like, ask yourself this question, what might the Lord be teaching you? What might he be teaching me in this season? In what ways was I operating with this sort of self-reliance? In what ways was I making the story about me? In what ways was I thinking, oh yeah, I've kind of done this, you know, with the Lord's help, certainly, and kind of give him some credit. This pandemic is revealing to us that whatever control we thought we had, it was an illusion, it was a mirage. We do not have control. God does. He's sovereign. He is good. He's ruling and he's reigning. But everything that I have comes from the good hand of God. I haven't earned anything. You haven't earned anything. It's all, we're, we're stewards. We're not owners. And this pandemic 
Part of God's grace to us is reminding us, as he did to David here, hey, it all, everything comes from the good hand of the Lord. There is a self-reliance, there's a hyper-individualism that is so rampant in our culture, and it's not just out there, it's in my heart. And I'm praying that the Lord might root that out in the ways that I was self-reliant, in the ways that I thought, okay, well, I can just run and do this. And it's why somebody would have to look at me this week and say, you're exhausted and you're tired and I see a weariness and a burden because I'm trying to do it in a self-reliant way. And the Lord is inviting us to turn from that, to repent from that and to come to Jesus and to rest in him and to do our work certainly, but to do it from a place where we are content in who we are in Christ. And so David turns here, look at verses eight to 10. He realizes, oh my goodness, like, because he ends in verse seven, you hid your face. I was dismayed. It's not that God has gone away. It's that David is no longer aware of the presence of God because he's been so focused on self. When we get caught up in this self-reliant narrative, we miss out on the presence of God that he offers to us. And so David ends up where all of us end up, dismayed, dejected, discouraged. That's where it goes. And he has this turn, though. Look at 8 to 10. There's a posture that he has. There's this pleading that he begins to make. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, my helper. Do you see what David is doing there? He's humbling himself. He's pleading for mercy. He's saying, God, I don't want to get what I want deserve and he begins to even call out to God and say God like I want more people to praise you he's like if you take my life what profit is there if I go down the to the pit will the dust praise you he's like will you restore me will you renew me will you help me to enjoy your presence so that I can actually engage in what I was created for which is to worship you and to praise you to so that you might get your glory and that in that he would actually experience joy Like that becomes his motivation. It's no longer about self, but it's rather, Lord, restore me, not just so that I can have this same amount in my bank account that I once had or that I might be able to have security or my health might be restored, although this can be all good things to pray for. Ultimately, he's like, Lord, do this so that more praise can be directed to you. I'm praying that that is how you choose to work, Lord, but I'm trusting you. That's his posture. Is that your posture? Is that my posture? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. And he recognizes, O Lord, be my helper. I can't do this on my own. And so, as we navigate these days ahead, as we've been navigating up until this point, and there's that weariness, and there's an exhaustion, there's just this fatigue Are you bringing it to Jesus? Not just when it gets to the point of like, I can't can't possibly go on. I mean, certainly bring it to him there, but what would it look like each day as as circumstances come up and you get that email and you're like, I don't know how to respond to that. Or somebody asks you to do something or you know there's gonna be a conversation that has to happen or whatever it might be. Say, I'm gonna bring that to the Lord. I'm going to, before I do anything else, let me just remember he's my helper. Let me remember the gospel that I am part of this resurrection story, this resurrection movement. What would it look like to repent from trusting in ourselves? In the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, here's a promise. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal 
their land. It's this promise here of when we humble ourselves, when we quit relying on self and rather we turn to God who is our helper, there's this healing that takes place where we get to enjoy the presence of God. It's what we've been created for. Not just someday when Jesus comes back, but also like right here, right now. So what would it look like for us to be a people that we're not going through life trying to act like unaware of everything that's happening, all right? That we're fully aware, we're dialed in, we're serving people, we're praying, all right? We're, we're being wise, all of that. But we also are able to enjoy the presence of God, that there is a, a joy that we have, there's a lightness in our spirit, that we're not piling things into our backpack anymore, but rather we're giving those things to Jesus. That's what he offers us. That's what he offers you. That's what he offers me. That's what he's offered to David, because there's this movement of God where he takes us from mourning to dancing. He takes us from being silent and overwhelmed to speaking and to praising and to telling the story. So let's close with this. As we look at 11 to 12, there's the provision that we see. And then we also see sort of the ultimate purpose of the healing that God does bring. And so as we look back over the psalm, one of the things that I think should be, begin to jump out at us Maybe a way to put this is this psalm isn't just about you. It's not just about me. It certainly wasn't just about David, though it certainly was written by David and it reflects his life and the things that he was dealing with. It also and ultimately points to the reality of what Christ has done. When we look back through this and we think about what Christ did, the perfect life that he lived and yet he went to the cross and there he dealt with the anger of God so that you and I wouldn't have to have the wrath poured out on us, but rather it was poured out on him. When he cried there, literally he's in the grave, draw me up, that that actually did take place. Jesus anticipated this as he was telling his disciples in the book of John, he's talking to them about all that is to happen and they're they're dejected and they're confused. and like, I thought you were gonna make everything okay and make everything beautiful and harmonious and this shalom and everything that they long for. And in John chapter uh, 16, we get these words and Jesus says, and he opens with truly, truly, which is sort of this, hey, pay attention, dial into this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And he's talking about his impending death. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. He gives them this analogy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Do you see what is happening here? This psalm ultimately points to the life, death, and resurrection of King Jesus, that God is birthing something new. And yes, there's pain, and yes, there's difficulty, and yet at the end, there's this thing like, oh my goodness, there's this new life. And that is what Christ has done, and Christ is continuing to bring us life so that we might enjoy the presence of God as we trust in him, as we give things over to him, not carrying those any longer. And I love what Jesus says here. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. A pandemic will not take your joy. Your job will not take your joy. Relationships will not take your joy. The state of the economy will not take your joy. Your bank account will not take your joy. Your inability to go to your favorite restaurant will not take your joy. There is a joy that Jesus has secured, an inheritance 
that he is keeping right now. There is a joy that is available to you and me for followers of Jesus that no situation, no circumstance, no pandemic, no matter what else 2020 brings and beyond, it can't touch your joy that is secure. That's what Jesus has actually secured in the resurrection. It's not this fleeting thing. There actually is this abiding joy that cannot be taken. Now, we don't always experience it because I forget the resurrection. I forget that Jesus rose from the dead and I forget that he raised me up with him to walk in newness of life. But Psalm 30 reminds us of the reality that God has made provision, that God has made a way that these cries here, I cry to the Lord and you have healed me. You have brought up my soul from Sheol. Verse three, you restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. This is ultimately what Christ has done for us. And when we have that grip our hearts, and we realize that he's done that for us, it leads then to what is this ultimate purpose. That's where Psalm 30 ends. It says that my glory may sing your praise because he says you've turned for me my mourning into dancing, verse 11. You've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. That Jesus mourned, he became known as the man of sorrows, that you and I could have a gladness, that we could have a joy, that we get clo- be clothed in his righteousness when he took all of our unrighteousness, that he dealt with Satan's sin and death, all of it. And then it ends with that, my glory may sing your praise and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks to you forever the purpose that you've been created for, that I've been created for, is to worship God. If you look back over the past week, the past few weeks, the past few months, and you wonder like, where is your joy gone? Where's my joy gone? Perhaps we need to ask not so much like, where's the joy gone, but like, what have we been focused on? Have we been focused on self or on our savior? Have we been looking to Jesus? Have we been worshiping Jesus? Even in the midst of hard circumstances, And to the extent that we engage in that, we will recover that joy that is there. And so I wanna ask you, I wanna actually, in fact, invite you to something. I was struck by that line, we'll sing your praise and we'll not be silent. I'm trusting right now that God is doing a work in and through our church and our congregation collectively and individually like in your life. And so we wanna hear some of these stories. And so a very practical thing for this, one of the things I think that would encourage the church body is to begin to hear some of these stories. I wanna ask you, will you tell your story? And so if you're on the message notes right now, you'll see this card or you can go to cpwp.life slash story. And we would love for you to take a moment sometime in the the next week, um, fill out that short form and allow us to follow up with you. And perhaps it'll be a social media post or maybe a little video that we'll put together. But we know there's stories of how God is bringing about this ongoing work of resurrection in your life, in my life, in the life of our church. And we wanna tell the stories. We wanna not be silent. We wanna give praise to God. I wanna invite you in to that. And I'm not looking for, we're not looking for the story with the big bow on the end. It's all buttoned up. Everything's neat and tidy and clean. We want the raw, the unfiltered, the this isn't finished yet. I don't know where this is. Actually, I'm you know barely hanging on, all right? We want those stories. The reality, that's what you see in the Psalms so that we might together rejoice, we might join in praying for one another, that we might actually be able to celebrate the resurrection that Christ 
has brought and the resurrection that he continues to bring. And so church, I'm going to pray for us. I want to give us a moment uh, to respond. And as I close in prayer, we'll give you just another minute or so, some, some quiet reflection. Then we're going to continue to worship and let's praise our God together. But I encourage you to re- respond in these ways, to repent, to ask the spirit to lead you. Where have you been reliant on self? And to remember the gospel, remember how God has pursued you in his son. And then we're going to rejoice together. And part of the way that we'll rejoice is in telling our stories. And so I'm, I'm asking you, all right, to risk, to step forward, to be vulnerable, to actually say, I'll be willing to share a story of how God is at work so we might give praise to our God, to our maker, and that we as the church can be built up and encouraged. So let's go before the Lord in prayer now. Father, thank you for the gift of your scriptures. Thank you for the honesty we find in the Psalms. I'm so thankful that that book is part of your holy scriptures where there's just this raw honesty, this vulnerability, uh, where there's real struggle, struggle, God, that I know I can relate to and I imagine all of us can, that there is that turn towards self so often that we look out and we think, oh, look what I've done. And God, this season is reminding us that we don't have the control that we thought, that everything comes from you, your kindness, your grace, everything. God, it's not something that we've earned. Ultimately, God, our own, like the salvation that we've experienced, the peace that we have with you is something we did not earn. We did not contribute toward. We just brought our sin and our shame and our rebellion. And Jesus, you took that upon yourself and you died in our place and you rose again on the third day, conquering Satan, sin and death so that there might be this new life that we can all experience. So God, I would pray for us as a church body. God, for those that have been part of this church for a long while, and for those that maybe are tuning in and connecting for the first time this morning, God, you know where people are at, and you know, God, we all need the ongoing work of the gospel to remember how you are at work. But God, being rich in mercy, God, we thank you that that is your character, that is your nature. Thank you for how you continue to be at work. Would you encourage us? Would you give us a joy? And even as we worship you through song here in the remaining few minutes that we have together this morning, I pray that we would move from this morning to dancing. God, that we would rejoice loudly there in our homes, wherever we happen to be, that we would sing and that we would praise your name. So God, hear the prayers of your people now as we continue to just take a, a few moments to reflect and to pray. Thank you for hearing us.